back to the Clydesdale Media Mindset with Phil Mansfield. My name is Scott Switzer. I'm the Clydesdale. He is Phil Mansfield. Phil, we're going to get into how to be a good friend. How to be a good friend, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of my favorite topics. And, and why don't we learn that at school? You know, you're hit at school, you walk in on day one and the teacher says to you, you need to learn to read, you need to learn to do your maths, we need to learn science, we have to know what protons and neutrons are. But where's the lesson at school that says, here's how you actually become a good friend, here's how you look after your mates? I think it's missing. Yeah, and it's one of life's hardest skills, probably, to obtain, and probably the most essential. Yeah, I think so. It's both for both for your impact on the world and how and how people impact you and how you how you relate to people and how you how you can be together with people in in around people's company i think it's very very important and and really under under discussed yeah unless you're living your life as a hermit you are going to be interacting with people and why not be friends with them as opposed to just acquaintances yeah absolutely but i think also that <clears throat> there's just there's there is a difference between being a good friend and a good person, right? Um, and you can have these micro interactions each day in the bakery or in the supermarket, and, and you can actually get a lot out of those micro interactions all the way through to you're sitting down and you're sitting with one of your best friends who's going through an incredibly traumatic period of time. Um, there's there's so much there's so much to be there's so many, such a continuum there, but actually the principles are the same. Uh, which is really interesting that, that actually the the way you are is the way you are doesn't need to change too much. It becomes a habit actually. So what would you say is the most important thing to be a good friend? I would say the most important thing is, I mean, is, is judgment. Um, and I think that the second you're you feel like you're judged or you feel like you have to change who you are around that person you will feel that natural uncomfortableness around that person. So I think for me, it's about, it's about judgment. Um, it's about how, how comfortable I am in sharing who I am with you and how, and that's also got a lot to do with my own uh, psychology and how comfortable I am in my own skin. But at the same time is how the people around me make me feel comfortable in myself. And, and really, you want it to be judgment-free, right? You want it to be someone who's accepting of you regardless of what you're going through. Um, I know that we talked in the last episode about the fear of walking into a room for someone who has a weight problem, right? And most of that is because you're a fear, the fear of being judged. That's it. Well, that, that's exactly it. And, and as soon as I fear, listen, my, my biggest problem in the world needs talking about and the second I feel like, whoever you are, the second I feel like there'll be some judgment from your side, the chances are I will reduce my story or change my story or not share with you the entirety of my story, therefore not get it off my chest. Very often make the problem worse. Um, and it's really hard because very often you'll, you'll say to someone, that's not what I needed. You know, I don't need you to judge me now. And the person sitting over from you or you sitting over from them, your intentions are golden. You know, you just mean to be the best friend in the world. And it's really hard just to not have an opinion. My golden rule is that I don't give an opinion until somebody says to me, Phil, I'd like your opinion on this. At that point, they're inviting me in to say, what would you do in this situation? 
As soon as they say, what would you do in this situation? Even then, I'm likely to flip it around and say, well, that's what I would do. Let's work on what you would do. Um, so it's it's really hard just to be that those you know that old saying if you've got two ears one mouth you should do twice as much listening you know right. it, it's really that side of things is, is a great friend that can listen and and for the most part we have the answers inside ourselves because we know ourselves best you know no one knows you better than you know yourself now you might not be able to find that because of a melee of of cognitive decline of stress and the problem you're in has perhaps muddled your thoughts so really my job as a friend is to is to listen to your thoughts and help you put those that mix of thoughts into straight lines because you probably got the answer yourself yeah i know with my 25 year marriage to my wife um i don't always get that right um <coughs> oftentimes she comes to me with an issue and her response to me is i don't need you to fix the issue i just need you to listen We've all heard that, haven't we? <laughs> we have. <laughs> so, even in even in long term relationships with my best, who I would consider my best friend in the world, who is my wife, you know, I overstep that judgment thing with her, and she checks me almost immediately. And the thing is, is you feel like it's a disservice. You feel you feel almost an injustice because. You're in deep in your heart. You're actually just trying to help, right? You're just trying to be a nice guy. You're trying to provide a solution to the problem, and all you're really doing is cutting, cutting a tie in a relationship. Or you're actually, you're actually making that person feel like they can't come to you again or can't talk to you again. Where the judgment-free listening and questioning is the is the essential part of being a good friend. I think the harder thing is as a good friend, let's flip it around and say you're one of your friends or one of your colleagues or someone you're very close to parent, whatever has a, has a habit or a behavior pattern that you think is destructive to their life and they can't see it themselves. That's really hard because there you're already you, by you saying well, I feel like this destructive or I feel like it's a bad behavior pattern, you're already passing judgment. And so the barrier is just up instantly and you're already you're already walking into a fight. They're the really great friends or the, what I call the great communicators that can help the person to see themselves the problem. Um, we do a wonderful example with our coaches where we call it the fruit and uh, the game we play is that you have to interview somebody and you have to have them tell you what their favorite fruit is. And you're not allowed to mention food, fruit, breakfast, lunch, dinner. You can't make any sort of reference to fruit. But you have to question, like, tell me about your morning routine. And they'll be sort of, you know, well, in the morning I do this and then I make myself breakfast. That's interesting. What type of things do you do? What type of things do you have there rather than mentioning breakfast? And question them where you're not allowed to mention the fruit. And that's the way into, if you like, or the, and, and it's what we call positive manipulation, right? Because manipulation is often very positive. Um, and how do I manipulate you into, or someone else into talking about their smoking habit, for example, without me coming in and saying, hey, you're smoking and you shouldn't be, where I would just get that instant uh, rebelliousness or that instant wall. That's, that's the art of a wonderful communicator. 
Yeah, you often hear that you're more successful if you can make it in leadership training. If you can make your team feel like it's their idea, you're going to be more successful. And so oftentimes as a leader, you have maybe one or two solutions and you want the team to come to that same conclusion on their own so they buy in to what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you do that? <coughs> that's that's the that's the big that's the the big question is how how do you how do you maneuver the conversation or maneuver the room or maneuver the the employees to make those decisions? But as always, it comes back to the core values of the person or the company, uh, and having those those values in place from the start. And I think that's the I think that's the interesting. You know, there's very few people who who don't like watching the, uh, I haven't seen them myself, but they watch the Netflix uh, serial killers and they love watching these. They love watching these shows. And the reason you love watching them is because actually the people you're talking to are some of the most psychologically sound people in the world. And people, people call a psychopath, somebody who is uh, somebody who is ill, where in actual fact, they're usually the people who know themselves best. They're fascinating to study. We find them fascinating because they have such a strong concept of self. Now, people who don't misunderstand me, people who train ridiculous amount of hours or smoke are not are not psychopaths, but you're dealing with you're dealing with somebody who actually knows who they are. You're dealing with somebody who loves who enjoys smoking. My my mother I spent I spent fifty years trying to or sorry, I spent 35 years trying to convince her not to smoke you know and I never actually was able to get through to her or, or, or manipulate the conversation to get her to see herself because in the end she wanted to smoke she she knew who she was and so essentially being a good friend do you support that and say well you have a concept of self you have a core value that says I'm someone who smokes at what point do I say well I just back you up and I want to love you because you're my mum and at what point do you continue do you continue that fight from your side because essentially you're projecting your values on that person yeah i've i've been in those situations where someone was was a smoker and you approach them and they and you ask them the why why they do it and it's because it is brings me great enjoyment and it's something i never want to stop and if that's where they're at you're never going to get them to quit smoking no, exactly. So, so from from being a good friend, there, I think it's that analysis process of it's very different if somebody is saying I smoke and I'd like to stop. You know, that's the supportive side. That's the the, the non judgment side of I'm not going to judge what you've done, but I'm here to support you and guide you through stopping. And that's everything through to having a piece of cake or having going to the gym today. I don't feel like going to the gym, or I do feel like going to the gym. You know, it, it doesn't have to be as extreme as uh, as psychopaths or smoking. You know, it can right. be on the micro scale. They're just fun things to talk about. So with with the Netflix series and, and the true crime, which my wife is all into, um, oftentimes, do you, do you think it's part of the puzzle, right? You're, you're trying to put the puzzle together. And as as a friend you see the people you love the most and you want to help them complete the puzzle. And sometimes 
They just want to do the puzzle on their own. So that's the part, right? You have to learn from your friend. Is this something they want to do on their own? Then they're, they're just here. They want you to be behind them, rooting them on, getting that puzzle done, but they don't want you to pick up a piece. That's it. That's it. The, it that, that is essentially the, the cognitive age. You know, that is the, that is the, essentially where they are in the process. And towards the later stage of the process, they'll either, they'll either fall into oblivion, which is I need help now because I've gone so far down the rabbit hole that I really need help. Or on the way out of the rabbit hole, just towards the end, they'll be emotionally intelligent enough to be able to say, well, I would like some help. And that middle ground there when they're sort of in it and deep, that's where they need to go through the process of self-discovery. And that's where a great friend can come in and help them through that process of self-discovery. Now, sometimes it's just about giving them a wonderful experience, taking them out for dinner, going for a coffee. Most problems can be solved just going and talking to a friend at coffee and just sitting there listening. You know, like going right back to the start of the podcast, being a, being a good friend is about listening, um, really, and, and not, not passing judgment. So your identification process of how big the problem is, is is there desperation in their voice or is there problem solving in their voice? At those two ends of the spectrum, the chances are they'll be asking for help. That part in the middle, that discovery process, while they're figuring it out, while they're trying to reorganize those mushy lines that are, are in their head, there it's really your job just to help them find out where these lines go and it, and it can be it can be anything to choosing what book to buy for christmas or choosing what record to choose to buy from the record shop you know no one no even in that small context no one wants you to no one wants me to be told what to do they all want to just be talked through the process well phil this has been a great episode um i feel like i have a new friend from halfway around the world um uh, doing these episodes with you. And I can't wait to do a bunch more as long as people still want to hear us talk um, as we talked about in the last episode. Um, so with that, um, just kind of sum up what we talked about, about being a friend coming into the holidays, you're going to be surrounded by a ton of friends and how can we just sum it up to be a good friend during the holidays? Cause it is also the most stressful time of the year for many people. Yeah, I think that um, we need to we we know our friends and we know their constant behaviours and anything away from the constant behaviours probably needs a check in. Um, and by a check in, it literally just means going around for a coffee. It doesn't mean asking, "Are you all right?" It means a check in. It means literally popping around, seeing as they are. And and if someone's quieter or louder, and that's one of the ones we often we often uh, we often we often uh, forget. The, that if someone's louder than they normally are, that's often a cry for help. So if you're quieter or louder than normal, uh, check in on them, make sure they're all right. Um, and listen to them. Awesome. Well, if you like what you hear, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel and hit the notifier. So you're the first to know when our new episodes come out. If you have a topic you want us to discuss, throw those in the comments below or shoot us a DM on Instagram with that, we will see you next time on the Clydesdale Media Mindset with Phil Mansfield.